What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm Jordan, and this is Jared, to my right or left, whichever way Jared puts it in post. Uh, And today, we're doing episode three of our series, So You Think You're an Atheist. Uh, at this point in the series, you've decided you are, in fact, an atheist, as we Because that is the logical conclusion. So. It's the only reasonable conclusion, in fact. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about what that is, what it means to be an atheist. And if you're with us this far, presumably you've come to that uh, conclusion. Last episode, we talked about the conversations you might have with the people in your life and how to approach them. But we left the specific questions that tend to come up in those conversations for another episode because we wanted to hit them all at once and not like jam you with too much information. So now is that future date, just in time for the holidays. <laughs> uh, for, so we're going to prepare you for those dinner table conversations you are about to have with your drunk uncle. Uh, this, this is drunk uncle level apologetics. So this is not like the highbrow stuff you get from William Lane Craig or whatever. This is like your it comes out in conversation that you haven't been to church during Thanksgiving and someone is like, well, not hounding you, but like they're peppering you with questions. That's what we're going to yeah. be tackling. The target audience here for these conversations, these questions, because we're not encouraging you to go out and have these conversations. Typically what happens is somebody notices, like Jordan said, you haven't been to church in a while or you're sitting around the thing and somebody notices your eyes are open while they we're praying, but why were their eyes open and notice you? But whatever. Yeah. Or uh, or you, yeah. you refuse to pray during the meal and they go, What's going on? And you say, Well, you know, I just decided I don't believe anymore. Boom. Question right. start. So now go watch the second episode if you haven't, but a real brief recap of that. The takeaway for this is you don't owe this conversation to anybody. You don't have to have this conversation. And a lot of times this can get acrimonious, it can get contentious, and it may not be worth that kind of fight with your family, right? So if you want some tips on how to approach that and how to like structure that, go watch episode two. But let's assume you've decided you want to engage in this conversation or you're just drunk and can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some questions that people tend to get. So first one that comes up a lot is what happened to you or like who hurts you? What what bad experience did you have in church or because of somebody who's Christian that led you to this decision. Yeah, that one now, is is pretty common, actually. Um, very common and uh, more than a little condescending, in my opinion, because it assumes the only reason you've come to this conclusion is because you're like basically throwing a temper tantrum over some bad yeah. experience you had with a pastor or whatever. I mean, and we're not talking about those kind of bad experiences with pastors or priests. We're talking Obviously. about like, yeah, uh, we're we're literally talking about serious stuff. Like they would assume like maybe uh, there was something said in a sermon or a pastor was pressuring you to make a decision or, or whatever it could be. I mean, I don't I can't even think of what would cause that. Sometimes but. people have uh, suggested that you have like a personality conflict or someone lied or hurt you in some way. And you're like, well, if this is what Christians are like, I'm out. And to be yeah. fair, that may have been part of your deconversion. I don't know why you, you listener, chose to leave the church. But usually there's more than just that. Even if that was the instigating event that led you to like start questioning, typically that's not the whole reason why you've left. So how you respond to this depends on you. Like, why did you deconvert? And... Yeah. So you want to be just kind of be prepared for this assumption that is often thrown on you and just be ready to deflect like, well, no, 
it's not an emotional decision. I was convinced for these reasons, yeah. or you know, I have reasons why it wasn't. Or there, that. Yeah, if there was some experience, or like you know, church can be political at some point. So if there was something that happened at a church that they knew about, you could say, you know, that did actually get me to start to think about my beliefs and my stuff, but it led me to these conclusions, and this is the reason why I no right. longer believe. Yeah. I think the strategy is rather than rehashing the drama that led you down this road, if that's what happened, is reference it, acknowledge that it is a thing that happened, but then move away from it. Because probably that's probably not going to end up with any kind of if that's a conversation you want to have, you want to be deliberate about that kind of conversation rather than having it over a turkey leg and some liquor <laughs> at the dinner table. <laughs> right. But. Speaking of reasons why they assume you left the church, the next one, this is probably the single most common one I get, is, well, you just want to sin. Or, well, I know why you're leaving. You're leaving because you don't want God to judge you, or you're afraid of being accountable, or whatever. Right. Yeah, this one's very common. Uh, most people won't just come out and say, you just want to sin. Uh, but like Jordan said, it comes out in different ways, um, and it has to do with accountability. I think... In order to actually get this, you have to be having a conversation with somebody pretty bold because this is more of like an internet kind of thing. But if you're having this conversation at a dinner table with somebody you know and they're like, well, you just want to sin. I have not had it with a family. I have had people I knew in like real life who when they found out I was an atheist, he was like, well, I know why you're an atheist. I was like, well, why don't you enlighten me? He was like, it's because like you want to have sex out of wedlock or whatever. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean. So some some people may assume too, like um, that if you're no longer practicing this religion, that you may be practicing another religion, or that you may be doing it worshiping Satan, worshiping Satan, for example. Yeah, exactly. Accused of occasionally. Uh, It may also be phrased like, "How will you know right and wrong? You know, if you're not following the Bible, where are you going to get your morality from?" So, how do you respond to this? I think the first thing to say is, "Well, no, like." Uh, and also, like, kind of find common ground with the morality. Like, we both still agree on mm-hmm. most things that are right and wrong. But you might have some real disagreement now. For example, when I left the church, I stopped being a homophobic asshole, you know? <laughs> and that's good, right? That doesn't mean that I left the church because I'm gay or anything like that. It's because I don't th- part of what may have informed your decision is that. And so I think pulling the emphasis away from you and I, like this is a thing that is definitely objectively wrong and you want to do it, but you want to avoid judgment, like pulling away from that and instead focusing on, no, I just disagree. And here's why I disagree. The other thing you can do in this too is reassure that if it's somebody you care about, first of all, uh, reassure them that you're still the same person, that you're still a moral person, assuming that you are a moral person. (laughs) Um, you, know, you may not that, be moral in a way they recognize, correct. but that doesn't and, mean you're immoral. And part of that is clarifying that. Like, you know, while you may still think that some of these actions are sin, I no longer believe that, you know, eating shellfish is a sin. Like, if, if, if you know, right. most people, or, most Christians don't, whatever it is, but yeah. Um, so just reassuring them that you're still a good person. You may not agree on what sin is or what constitutes a bad or immoral action, but that you still want to live a moral life. and. You can also uh, maybe channel it into a discussion on morality, if that's something you're interested in having. That might be like, well, I think that something, what makes something wrong is harming other people. And do you agree? Do you think that's what is makes something wrong? 
okay, well then now now we have common ground that we can talk about, right? Or you can also go down, though, like, there is like no the, morals, and I just want to do what I want to do yeah. anyway. So, <laughs> but the premise though is really weird if you actually think about it, because it's like the premise is you know what's wrong. You actually, it's kind of implied that you know God exists because if there's no God, there's no sin, right? right? So, and you want to escape judgment. Well, me not believing in God doesn't do that because like. Or me, me saying I don't believe in God and just ignoring this knowledge that I allegedly have, that doesn't actually make me avoid judgment. It just it, it doesn't actually do anything. Like I'm do- doomed to hell for all eternity, right? If I actually wanted to avoid judgment, what I would do is sin as much as I wanted and then repent later. I just have to trust that at some point I'll be truly repentant, right? Sure. Yeah, I um, I know I've said this in, in this podcast, uh, in this thing in the past. But I think I became a more moral person after I deconverted and became an atheist because before I always had that, well, I can just pray to make it go away kind of mentality. Like I can sin and then just ask for forgiveness later kind of thing, which is really messed up when you think about it. I was, but I think I became a more moral person, not because I was like, going to get away with things when I was a Christian. I've always been very internally motivated, but I just became a more empathetic person. And that part of that could have just been me also maturing. Sure. Just like yeah. you know, coming into adulthood. So it's hard to, you know, just entangle the two, but certainly like rather than being, I've got this book, this book says it's wrong. Therefore it's wrong. Having to be more deliberate. Like I don't have a book that I, I that stops my thinking. I have to actually put time and effort into questioning what I'm doing, who it's impacting, how it's impacting them, which I think is key to being a better person. Yeah. And just to clarify, I wasn't doing anything like super immoral back then. Sure you, know, you weren't. Immoral sure. versus okay. in, their, in their Christian yeah. sin sense. <laughs> yeah. We uh, believe you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but now that you've done all these sitting, aren't you afraid of going to hell? Why aren't you like, doesn't that drive you? That's a question you may get asked at a dinner conversation, and right? This one, the answer might actually be yes. I've encountered a lot of atheists who don't, who intellectually don't think hell is real, and yet are still terrified of going to hell, and it's something that they struggle with all the time. Sure, I mean, if you grew up in a church that preached, you know, hellfire, you know, all that stuff, the worm dieth not every Sunday, and was scaring you to salvation for your entire life that is ingrained in you. And that is trauma that, you know, it's hard to get over quickly. So uh, there are yeah. resources for that. We mentioned that in the past uh, freedom from religion has, you know, people that could do it. There's certain counselors and behavioral health specialists who can help you work through those kind of things. But for this question, um, if assuming that it's not, yes, you could pose the question or response by saying, well, you know, now that I don't believe anymore, I don't actually believe that there is a hell. And then open right. up that Our, conversation. You could say that other religious traditions have some form of punishment. Are you afraid of that? Sure. You pass scales wager them. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, if according to this religious tradition, you'll be damned because you didn't believe in that God. Are you afraid of that? The answer is probably no. Well, why not? Because you don't think it's real. Well, exactly. just, it's the same thing, except I don't think your thing is real. I'm no more afraid of hell than I am of Mordor. because i don't think either one is a real place Uh, though it should be kind of a red flag i would think to the religious this might be another angle you want to take that so many people have that lingering religious trauma 
that even if they don't think it's real, they're still like scarred by the hellfire and brimstone. And is that really the kind of like, I understand if you think it's real, you want to warn people away from that. Like I, I get where you're coming from, but this is really the emphasis we want to have. And it seems to be harming people. Is that really a good action to be harming people? But if God isn't real, you don't think hell is real. You don't think God is real. Then what's the point? Why go on living at all? What's the ultimate meaning to your life? Like what, where's your purpose in life? Yeah. I mean, this, this does have to do with something that we'll get asked a lot. Um, because I think it inherently tied up that if there is no eternal salvation, there's no life after death, then the thing that we're doing right here on earth right now has no meaning whatsoever, which doesn't make sense to me, but yeah, so I think this this could be coming from a sort of if you're going to die and everything you did is gone, then what's the point? Right. Which I mean, my sure, response have no to that is ultimate meaning, but sure. Right, yeah, like what well, has meaning to me, and that's all that matters. Like it has meaning to me, but it also could be coming from almost a position of insecurity on the questioner's part, because I know when I was religious, my religion, I thought was the source of my meaning. Like like I was it was extremely important to me and my identity and the idea of it being torn away seemed very scary. Right. And so yeah. it's almost like you've had this thing torn away from you that I find extremely important. How can you survive that? And so I think just talking about the things that give you meaning, the things that you do in your life. Well, no, I have meaning from my family or from my kids or from helping other people. All of things give my life meaning. I think that that might lead the other person to perhaps do some self-examining. Cause like it turned out after I was no longer religious, all the stuff like, like my life was just as me. Like it almost didn't change that part of my life at all, which was very surprising to me. Right. Like, you well, know, maybe this didn't matter to me at all to begin with, but yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's important. It also helps humanize you, the atheist. It helps normalize the atheist that we aren't just, you know, Satan worshiping sinners and we actually do care about things and we do find meaning. Um, this kind of ties into like the the fear of death thing as well. Um, my son has a crippling fear of death. And one of the analogies Bro, that we... Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> one of the analogies that we use uh, to kind of help coax him th- or cope with it, help him cope through that is uh, the analogy of the birthday party, you know? So if I were, if we were to have a birthday party and I told you and you knew that the birthday party was going to end, you know, after a couple hours, you know, would you just, would you cancel the birthday party because you know it's going to end? Or would you have fun with your friends at the birthday party, get your gifts, eat the cake and the ice cream and enjoy it while it was, but knew that it was going to end at some point. And that life is very similar along that we got to, Make hay while the hay is making. What's that saying? Uh, make hay while the sun is up, I think, is yeah. the expression. I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I think what I would do in that scenario, if the birthday party is life, is curl on a ball and cry, is what I would do. <laughs> or just try to not think about it. That's usually my solution, is like, well, I'm still young-ish, right? I've got like at least... 30 years before I yeah. have to worry about that. Or, or, you, or you hope that we you make it the technology is good enough to download that's your what consciousness. I'm, yeah. That is 100% what I'm banking on 
for sure no question like i am practicing self-delusion to try to hold on <laughs> to sanity here in this life uh because death is terrifying but anyway <laughs> uh here's one that it's it's almost a meme but i i do get it is the old look at the trees or like what about babies <laughs> yeah i mean <clears throat> I've had both of these. Um, somebody that I care deeply about has even said to me, I don't know how somebody can look at a baby and be an atheist. Right. And I'm like, well, I can. But yeah, it's the whole sense of wonder, right? And like the idea that this thing couldn't just happen randomly. Um, yeah. Life is so amazing. Therefore, God, I guess. I don't know. They just kind of gesture vaguely at this wonderful thing. And then I'm not even sure where the leap is. But for some reason, because a thing is wonderful or you have a sense of awe, it had to be designed. I don't I don't really know. Yeah. So <clears throat> my strategy is just like, like when they're like, what about babies? Like, well, what about babies? Like, just keep asking them, like, where's, yeah. like, okay, babies are awesome. I don't like why. And just like right. digging out. Now, when I had this actual conversation with the coworker years ago, he was talking about that. He's like, what about, and I was like, why? He's like, but babies. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, but why? And he was like, but babies. Like, it was like, it was, I don't know what it was. Um, yeah. So perhaps a more fruitful lane would be to say, well, I can have a sense of grandeur and wonder at the world without there needing to be a deity. Like even if this, if think this thing is a work of art from nature, that doesn't make it any less beautiful, right? Like is art less beautiful. If I knew that it was crafted by nature, like, like if I, if I knew that no being had designed the cosmos does that make the night sky any less amazing. I don't see why it would. It might make it more amazing actually. Yeah. I think so. Um, I mean, it, yeah. it feels it feels more amazing to me. So I think yeah. perhaps your common theme here, trying to find common ground, like acknowledge the sense of wonder you get. But whereas you want to say, therefore God, or like giving this, like you attribute this wonder attributing it to God, somebody, yeah. I don't feel the need to attribute it to anything. It just is. And that's fine. Yeah. I, I um, from a personal note, I get, I still get the same funny feeling I got when I was in church. Uh, when I go out on the trails in the mountains and I'm hiking or jogging, like the idea that I'm surrounded by nature and that I'm, I have this oneness with nature still gives me that sense of awe and that feeling. So I, I definitely understand where this is coming from. But again, I don't, you just have to say, I still get that feeling. I still think it's awesome, but we don't attribute it to the same thing. Right. You can't, you could drive to like a deeper, I think there might be a, a temptation perhaps to break down like, well, why do we have this feeling about babies? Well, evolution, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, I mean, blah. But honestly, like, and I'm not saying those are not valuable things to know, but I don't think that's what the person asking this question is really asking. Yeah. So, and I imagine the person who's saying this um, or asking this question isn't up to speed on, you know, and creation, apologetics or I probably doesn't care. Stuff, so. and they, they don't care. Yeah. So. Right. Uh, kind of related. Sometimes you'll get, what about love? You know, you can't explain love. Like, like just because you can't see something doesn't mean it isn't real. What about love or gravity or magnetism, which we like, we can see 
gravity and wind and magnetism and all that sort of stuff. But like love, I have strong evidence for the existence of love. So (laughs) it's another one that seems silly. But uh, okay. What if you're wrong though? What if you're Hmm. wrong? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. What if I'm wrong? Um, Well, what if you're wrong? You could just flip it back on them. You could. What if I, I'm rubber, you're glue. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes couched with like, how can you be sure? Or how do you know that God doesn't exist? And so I think expressing like being honest with the fact that you are not necessarily 100% certain. And that's fine. Like being, expressing the fact that you are comfortable with having some level of uncertainty, which for some reason just blows some people's minds. The idea that you might be okay with not knowing. This is a good opportunity to go into maybe some of the reasons and justifications for why you don't believe anymore. And you can say, you know, part of the reason that I don't believe is because I don't know. And I don't want to believe things without having a good reason to believe them. So if I were to know, then I might believe. But because I don't know, this is part of the reason why I don't believe anymore. I need to have sufficient evidence for the things I believe, and I just don't have sufficient evidence anymore. And that doesn't mean that I am certain. It just means I'm not convinced. That's all that means. Uh, Sometimes if you've, you might get, this is more like an apologetic tool, but sometimes you'll get the old circle of knowledge thing, you know, like this is all the knowledge in the universe, right? And then you got your little circle. That's how much you know. How do you know God isn't over here somewhere? Uh, so I don't, <laughs> I, I don't yeah. yeah. And, but you could make the exact same argument for Santa Claus or pixies or unicorns or anything else, you know, but and, Jordan, you're just being too skeptical at this point. Yeah. You're just being too skeptical. You're just, you're just doubting things for no reason. Uh, have you tried doubting your doubts, which <laughs> I have still have no idea what that means. <laughs> I actually somebody emailed me recently trying to like preach the gospel to me. And that was one of the things they said that wow. I don't doubt my doubts. Uh, we should start a second channel reason to doubt your doubts. Yeah. If somebody can uh, understands what this means, please leave it in the comments. Cause I don't know the best I can figure is like, are you, I, I think maybe they might be putting some kind of mindset of dogmatism on me just in reverse. Right. Like, I have some kind of faith, like I don't have enough faith to be an atheist sort of mindset, like sure. like somehow I'm motivated in my reasoning. Um, and so if I got this question, I think I would try to dig and be like, well, what do you think is the appropriate level of skepticism? Like if you think I'm being too skeptical, how skeptical yeah. should one be? What Just that skeptical like? enough that you still believe in God. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And that's actually the, the answer. And forgetting yeah. <laughs> that, like, think about that. Like, okay, well, is it okay for me to question? Like, imagine that you're right. And a God did design me. He designed me to be curious and to have intellect. Uh, and so like, like Galileo said, I refuse to believe that the God who designed me with a brain intended me to forego its use. Like, yeah. I- I think the appropriate response to this is to ask the question, well, like, what what does having too much skepticism look like? What does it mean to be too skeptical? And can you give me some examples of, of what somebody might be too skeptical? This, they may be thinking of cynical, or you could be being having too much cynicism. But, um, yeah, I don't think anybody could ever be too skeptical unless they're, you know, going Unless- down the old, like... 
you can I can't be, believe in anything kind of stuff. But you can go hyper skepticism, but I think if you're sticking to a a virtuous sort of skepticism, yeah. which we talked about, uh, virtuous virtue epistemology with Trolley Dave many episodes back, go check that out. Uh, I think as long as you are engaging skepticism appropriately, then in that way you can't be too skeptical. But eventually, like it's almost like the horseshoe thing. If you're sure sufficiently skeptical you end up not being skeptical at all a lot of conspiracy theorists end up that way you know yeah we talked that was a good video you should watch that with charlie dave um we talk about descartes and some of you know i think therefore i am stuff uh so go check that out but But, the whole the whole point is to try to get them to give you something that is too skeptical and and then you can say you know i agree that is too skeptical and that's not what i'm doing and here's why like open a dialogue, get them thinking about what level of skepticism would be acceptable. So, okay. We agree now you're not being too skeptical or whatever, but like, why not just keep it to yourself, man? Why, why do you gotta, why do you gotta sprout your atheism? Spray it all over, you know, just, just, just be quiet and go to church and stuff. Didn't you just ask me why I wasn't an atheist? Yeah. Really I'd probably start like, well, you asked me, you started this conversation, Dave, Uncle yeah. whatever, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people tell me this. Why can't you just keep it to yourself? Usually this comes about in the point of the conversation where you've struck a nerve um, mm-hmm. and, and you've and, said something that triggered them to the point where they're getting upset. So. And they don't like that you, like, they feel like you're telling them that they shouldn't be Christian or you're trying to take their faith away or whatever. Yeah. And if you go back to our last episode, this is one of the things, if you are being that atheist who's, who's going and telling it on the mountain and just preaching to everybody about your newfound atheism, then maybe you should take a little bit of this, and, keep it to yourself. Mentality. In that case, they might have a point, right? Yeah. Maybe. Like in the, we've been treating this as if they're coming to you, right? right. But if you are like at the dinner table attacking <laughs> your uncle who is just trying to eat his meal about why he goes to church, then yeah, maybe you should chill out. <laughs> you, know, yeah. just, just, you know, it's okay. Just mm-hmm. calm down. But assuming that's not the case, then I think you can say, first of all, pointing out that if you're not doing that, you're not trying to convince anybody else mm-hmm. necessarily uh, that you, that it's fine if they believe in something, as long as they're not harm- harming other people. And that's fine. You can also ask, well, like, you don't feel the need to keep your beliefs to yourself. Christians make it a big part of their identity to go spread the word, the Great Commission, missionary work. So why is it okay for you and people who agree with you to do this, but it's not okay for people who disagree with you? Because America. Yeah. (laughs) Because shut up. That's why. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, no, that, that's a great thing. Turn it back on them. Um, try try to do it in a respectful way, though, to where they can potentially see. This is kind of like the outsiders test of faith. Let them see what it's like on the other side. Um, right. And so, yeah. So you are an atheist, and most people on Earth are theists. That means you think that you're right, and everyone else is wrong. Almost everybody who ever lived, Newton, is wrong. You think you're smarter than Isaac Newton, Jared? Well, uh, well, first of all, kind Newton of was kind of weird and freaky and believed a lot of weird <laughs> yeah, stuff. He liked <laughs> alchemy and all kinds of stuff, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. like, my response when someone's like, what, like, the response I want to give is like, I mean, yeah, kind yeah. of. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean I, I, when you put it that way, yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yes, I do think that I'm correct 
other, if I didn't think I was correct, I wouldn't hold the position I hold. You know, I'd hold right. whatever I think the correct one is. And because my position is opposite to most people's, yes, I think I am right and most other people are wrong. Yes. The other thing to do here too is to to go down the route of, well, I, I don't necessarily think I'm right. I just don't think I have enough evidence right now to justify a belief in this particular deity that we're talking about. Uh, unless, of course, you do find yourself in a point where you've done the research, you've thought through the experiments, you've gone down all the logical paths, and you've determined that, yes, deity X does not exist because the evidence doesn't support that. Um, if you're, at, I don't think you're at that point, though, if you're just now coming out as an atheist. You probably haven't done that much stuff. So Now, I think where you can give some ground back is, like, I, I'm not going to concede that— Yes, I think I'm right, and I think the people who disagree with me are wrong, because that's just what it means to have an opinion. Like, that's just what opinions are, right? Yeah. So, you know, most I guarantee this person that you're talking to thinks as something that most people disagree with them on. Right? As they're eating their, their uh, canned cranberry, you know, jelly at the table. So, so why, why do you think you're right that cranberry jelly is... It's good. But that's a subjective wrong, thing. But there's yeah. factual things yeah. I'm certain that they believe in that other people disagree with. Now, you can say that you don't think that it's unreasonable for people to disagree with you because reasonable people can disagree. Sure. Like, I can think A and you can think B, and it doesn't mean either one of us is unreasonable or rational. We just have different opinions. Very smart, well-informed people can come to can look at the same evidence and come to different conclusions. That's just the human condition. And so making it clear that you're not saying that they're an idiot or stupid or anything because they think this or, you know, some kind of superstitious peasant or whatever. And if you do think those things, go watch the second video and chill out. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, emphasizing that it's okay for people to disagree, that that doesn't mean that you can't still have a relationship, you know, that sort of thing, kind of disarming. Cause, cause I think where this is question is coming from is they feel attacked by the fact that you think this thing that is central to their identity is false, is not real. Which, this, which you do probably, which you do. Right. <clears throat> yeah. And so that may be uncomfortable for them, but clarifying that just because you think that they're the deity, they believe they have a relationship with doesn't exist. Uh, that doesn't mean that you think poorly of them necessarily. Yeah. And if, if that is the way they're coming from, that's one thing. If they're coming at this question from like a superiority complex, like you think you're superior than everybody else or you, like you have, you're smarter than everybody else. You could just clarify with them. Like I just on this one topic, I may disagree, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm smarter than you on anything else. This right. is just the one thing we're talking about. So, yeah, I, I'm a pretty smart guy. I am not the smartest person on the planet, that's for sure. And there are very smart people, people who are smarter than me, who are religious and disagree with me. There are also people smarter than me who aren't religious. Like, this is not a smart people versus dumb people thing, you know? Right. <laughs> so. I mean, and averages, though, for being honest. Well, I, I'd want to, we can leave the statistics of that to another episode. <laughs> uh, okay. So those are all the contentious sort of questions. The last question is the question that you might hope you get. If you get this question, things are going great. And that question is, well, what convinced you? You think this ding, thing, ding, why ding, do you ding. think it? Yeah. You should have that, like a gold star, like ready sticker, ready. Like, here you go. You get a gold yeah. star. <laughs> this should be the first question anybody asks. If, in my experience, it will not be. But... <laughs> 
If they ask it at all. (laughs) If they ask, yeah. Often it comes at the end. Hopefully it comes at the beginning. But this question indicates that the person you're talking to actually cares about you and what you think and why you think it. They're not, this is not a question that someone generally who is defensive or offended is asking. You know, you can obviously tell if that's where they're coming from. But if the question is honest and open, then try to control your excitement and then you can be feel free to engage in a dialogue. Do not, however, use this honest, open question as a, an invitation to shit all over them <laughs> on the things they believe. Right. <clears throat> the other thing you can do is you can divert to this question if you want. So right. if somebody comes at you a little combative and be like, you know, I don't really feel comfortable answering these questions. Um, I feel like I just want to keep this to myself. If you're actually interested in what convinced me though i'd be willing to talk with you and have that conversation with you but i don't want to engage in this other sort of tit for tat kind of thing you can also use this question yourself because just like you may feel validated and perceived and seen when someone asks you honestly what convinced you you can ask the other person that well you clearly disagree with me you're passionate about what you think why do you think the way you do what what convinced you and then when they share yours the natural way the conversation is going to go is for you to share your own reasons. And now mm-hmm. instead of like being two people fighting, you're two people sharing your human experiences, which is more likely to come to a positive conclusion, even if you don't agree. Yeah. And just in general too, while we're wrapping this up, it's important to actually have a conversation, practice active listening, um, you know, rephrase questions, make sure that you're understanding each other along the way Ask them questions. Yeah. Active listening looks like you said this or rephrasing. I, or how, what I heard was this, or if I'm understanding you, what you meant was, you know, am I right? It allows them, it allows you to be on the same page throughout. It actually shows that you're engaged and you care about what they say about. Um, But it, it just, it just makes for better conversation. Don't get into a conversation where you just find yourself like spitting out like all the common things that you find out when you're an atheist. Well, did you know there's uh, so many contradictions in the New Testament? Did you know that there's no devil in there? Like, no, like don't do that. Okay. Like, yeah. um, so you're not going to get anywhere. N- literally, nobody on earth. Well, you nobody, probably wouldn't get anywhere, anyways. But <laughs> right. But I guarantee you, you're not going to make any headway by telling them how many contradictions there are in the Bible. They don't care. Uh, so <laughs> focus on the goal and the goal i think in these conversations in the the context we're talking about them in is probably or at least i would contend should not be to convince this other person that you're right the goal should be to find common ground and to be able to engage with somebody you disagree with on something that's important to them without damaging the broader relationship that should yes. be the goal. So if you get away with this, if you get out of this conversation with your relationship intact and everyone having a better understanding of the other person's position, then that's a win. You should take And that. if you do find yourself at any point in a conversation with anybody, particularly family members, and it starts to get emotional, you can say, hey, clearly this is this is a very serious topic. I can see that you're um, you know, emotional about this. Let's not have this conversation right now. Let's go back to talking about the Detroit Lions and why they're the best football team in America right now. Like, just just do that. So, Right. Or 
why some other I don't know anything about football, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Assume I, I said mean, something devastating about the rivals. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm assuming you're at you know Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> anyways, whatever whatever the common ground is, go back to that and say, hey, right. let's talk about last you know week when we were at the bowling alley and you right. got a strike. Because ultimately, if you are right, you being the atheist, if you're right, when they die, nothing will happen, and it won't matter at all what they believe. <laughs> so who cares? Like, whatever. So have fun at the birthday party. Eat some cake. Open some presents. And try to keep your existential crises in your bed alone in the dark where they belong. <laughs> so that's our show. Hopefully these conversations that you have go well. Uh, please share in the comments, if you have one of these conversations, what happened? Or if there are other questions that you receive commonly or you did receive when you were deconverting and having these conversations, leave those in the comments below. Uh, anything that you can leave for the people who might be watching this video who are just coming into disbelief might be helpful for them. Yep. Uh, also let us know what sort of questions, if you are in that position and you're someone who's new to atheism, what questions do you have? What, what things are confusing to you? And we might hit it in a next, another episode. I'm not sure we have one plan for this series, but if there's something that's that you would find helpful, let us know. Uh, make sure you subscribe, hit like, if you liked it, if not, tell us everything in the detail that you dislike down below. Uh, and until next time, remember, you've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.